1: Many of us have idea of what God wants us to do. Many of us have a vision of where God is taking us. The only problem is that we are not consistently following through with what we want to do. At the beginning of every year, all of us have that particular letter, that list that we always create. We call it the new year resolution. I want to do X, Y, and Z, but we find that we begin to do it the first two weeks, and then the twelfth week we stop doing it. It's because we do not have what is called a disciplined pursuit you are not pursuing the things that will take you to where you want to go and my brothers and sisters you can hear from God my brothers and sisters you you can have your hand you can have powerful men of god powerful women of god lay hands on you until you become like me what you will find is that if you are not willing to pursue the vision that god has given unto you If you are not willing to pursue the things that will take you to where you're supposed to go, I tell you, you can have all the dreams in the world, you can have all the anointing in the world, you can have all the power in the world, you will become, they will become an illusion. Because what you are not willing to pursue, what you are not willing to pursue, what you are not willing to follow after, it will not come to you. The things that you are not willing to expend the energy to run after, those things will continue to elude you. Let me say it again. If you refuse to go after your dreams, if you refuse to pursue your desire, if you refuse to do what it takes to get to your desired destination, you will find out that that desired destination will be an illusion. You will see it, but you will not be able to possess it. A student who wants to have an A in a class, you don't sit and dream about it, you don't you don't continue to imagine about it, you don't continue to fantasize about the A. You begin to walk towards it. If you're not willing to walk towards it, that A will be an illusion. You will see it in your dreams, you will hear people talk about it, but you will not see it on your paper. Why? Because you do not have that particular discipline to pursue that particular goal. My brothers and sisters, what you refuse to pursue will not come to you. It will not come to you. And I've been talking about, you know, and that's why this very morning we're going to be talking a little bit more deeply on what I refer to as the discipline pursuit. And the question is, what is this thing called discipline pursuits? What is this discipline pursuit? Discipline pursuit is the act of consciously and deliberately following after something or someone. When I say I have a disciplined pursuit towards a particular goal, it means I am consciously following that goal. I am deliberately following that goal. There is something that I want to achieve. There is something that I want to accomplish. Those of us who are married here, you will notice what you did when you were pursuing that lady or you are pursuing that woman. I know there are no everybody here, there's no there's no there are no younger ones here, so we are free to say their sins. You remember when that lady was saying, No, not me, or not me. You know how you continue to pursue. That is what is called a discipline pursuit. Because you had an objective. Say this woman, this one will not escape me. And that was what you did. You kept going, you kept going, you kept going until she finally said, yes I do. And now today you now forgot about discipline pursuit. But discipline pursuit is the conscious and deliberate following after of something or somebody. Look at that job that you wanted so badly. For those of us who came from Africa and you went to American Embassy several times, you knew how much you pursued that thing and eventually you got it it's a disciplined pursuit of consciously and deliberately following after something or someone in life now what does that mean to live a no, to live a life of discipline pursuit what does it mean how does it translate into reality to live a life of this of a, of a, of, a, of a, <coughs> To live a life of a, of a discipline pursuit means a willingness to continuously follow after the things that you want to achieve. That is, you, you, you design your life to go after certain things. You now, you know, the discipline pursuit, it means that you are doing the things that really will take you to the point of that particular result that you are looking for. So what it means is that you are, you are living a life. You are designing your life, you are arranging your life, you are organizing your life so that you are moving closer every day to that particular thing that you are looking for. You are doing everything possible to make sure that your actions, your thoughts, your associations, the people you relate with, the people you surround yourself with, they are consciously taking you in the direction that you want to go. If you want to be a millionaire, there was a show that we used to have back in Nigeria in those days. They say, if you want to be a millionaire, you do what? You think like a millionaire. This is Mr. Bassi. That was a long time ago. They showed you. Know? But the idea is that if you want to go in the direction that you want to go, you need to be able to surround yourself with things that will move you in that direction. That is what it means to live a life of disabled pursuit. You not only go to places. You not only associate with people. You not only participate with activities that will move you. You engage in those activities. If you want to be, you know, you're, you're looking at the student who want to be able to gain, you know, or want to make a good grace in his class. You don't begin to associate with people who don't go to school. You don't associate with people who refuse to go to class. You don't associate with people who are just disrupting in class. You associate with people who will help you get what you want. So living a life of discipline pursuit means that you do everything that will help you to get to where you're going to. It means you do not sleepwalk through life how many of us know what sleepwalking means you wake up in the morning and you're just doing like this you have no clue what is happening around you you're just living if you do that you are never going to get to where you're going living a life of discipline pursuit means that you do not waste your life doing the things that will not take you where you're going okay you don't waste your time because time is precious those who are close to me know one thing if there is one thing that gets under my skin and that is people wasting my time and I've told you the reason. is a very simple reason. That is the only resource in this life that you can never recover. Once that time is gone, it's gone forever. And anybody who wastes your time is somebody who does not have respect for you. And that is why I'm not very, very patient with anybody who wastes my time. But that's a story for another day. Living a life of discipline pursuit means that you are not sleepwalking through life. Now let's bring it to the scriptures. Because we are in church. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. That is the verse of the scripture we read for our Bible reading this morning. The Bible tells us of the story of Jesus. When he was doing what? When he was coming to a particular coast of Caesarea Philippi. The Bible said that Jesus asked his disciples. And he said, who am I? Who do people say I am? When people are going, when I go around and I preach and I heal and I deliver, who do people say that I am? And they started giving answers. They said you are John the Baptist. They said you are Isaiah. They said you are Elijah. They said you are one of the prophets. And then Peter, by the Spirit of the Almighty God in verse number 16, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the Living God. And Jesus Christ now replied in verse number 17. He said, Jesus answered and said unto them, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The Bible then goes on to tell us that Jesus Christ now made a declaration. He said, upon this revelation, that I am the Son of Man, You see, upon that revelation is the church built. And if the church is built upon that particular revelation, it means that the gate of hell will not be able to prevail against the church. In other words, as long as the church believes, as long as the church is founded on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God, that particular church will not be overcome by the gates of hell. Many of us are familiar with that particular word. But by the time you get to verse number 21 of that same chapter, the Bible tells us that you will notice that Jesus started doing something after the disciples have gotten the revelation. After they got in the revelation that he was the son of God. That He that upon him was the church built. Jesus started doing something important. Verse number 21 the Bible says that from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and from the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up the third day. In other words, after the revelation that Jesus is the son of God. The Bible said Jesus Christ began to show his disciples the deep things concerning his mission on the earth. He started showing them, these are the things that I've come to do and this is what it will take to get the result that I've come to accomplish on this world. The first thing he began to show them, the Bible said, he showed them the path to the fulfillment of that mission. Look at that verse number 21 again. He said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. In other words, there is no way he can fulfill his mission without going through Jerusalem. There is no way he can become the savior of the world without going through Jerusalem. So Jesus Christ told his disciples, this is the mission. He started telling them that this is the path to the mission. Jesus told them, number two, the pain that is associated with the mission. Look at that verse of the scripture again. It said, I'm, uh, I suffer many things from the elders and the priests and the scribes. So it's not just that I must go through Jerusalem. I must suffer certain things. If I am going to go to where I'm going, if I'm going to accomplish, accomplish what God has asked me to, uh, has given to me to accomplish, I must not only go through Jerusalem, I must suffer certain, I must suffer certain pain. Number three, I must persevere certain things. There must be perseverance in this particular journey. And most importantly, I must be able to fulfill a particular purpose. So Jesus Christ was laying out all these things. He said, if I'm going to be the savior, if I'm going to be the person that God wants me to be, if I'm going to fulfill the plan and purpose of God for my life, I must go through Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I must suffer the things that God does. I must suffer these things in the hands of certain people. I must endure the suffering. I must fulfill the purpose of this particular mission. Now, when Jesus Christ told them in verse number 21, these people were saying, what? What are you talking about? Many of the disciples did not understand what Jesus was talking about. They could not understand how somebody... Will knowingly walk into trouble when he know that trouble was waiting for him. Jesus knew that the, that the that the scribes and the Pharisees were going to torture him. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to suffer a lot of things. These disciples could not understand that Jesus was telling them. They could not understand why he will not avoid the trouble. Why he will not stay away from prayer. Why he will not wait. He will. He will decide to go to Jerusalem knowing that he's going to die. And because they did not understand. The Bible tells us in verse number 22 that Je- Peter, who was supposed to be the spokesman of the group, Peter now stood up, the Bible says in verse number 22, then Peter took him aside and, uh, and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord, it shall not happen to you. In other words, Peter was saying, here boss, wait, 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 wait. I know you are excited that I know that you are the son of God. I know you are excited that yes, this is a revelation and the church will be built on it, but we need to slow down here a little bit. You go to Jerusalem, just talk about going to Jerusalem, just forget about it, eh? As long as I'm alive, you are not going to die, you know? I'm going to make sure that this does not happen to you. I'm going to make sure that this, this dying business, this suffering business does not happen to you because no, no, you have better things to do. You cannot die. You are not allowed to die. And you are, you know, that's not part of your plan for, that's not our plan for you. If began to say all that, time, you will, uh, do, you will, uh, you will think that Jesus will be flattered. That Peter loves him so much he didn't want to, I uh, want him to die. But the Bible makes us to understand that Jesus reacted in a very, very strange way. Jesus reacted in a very, very strange way. Look at verse number 23. The Bible tells us in verse number 23, that Jesus Christ, he turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Come on. It's Peter talking. You are talking about Satan. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men.' I want you to pay attention to the response of our Lord Jesus Christ. Looking at the response of our Lord Jesus Christ, the question that comes to mind is that why did Jesus Christ react the way that he reacted? Here was a guy who was saying, I love you so much, I don't want you to die. I love you so much, I don't want you to go through trouble. I love you so much, I don't want you to suffer. And Jesus Christ said, get there behind me, Satan. Why did Jesus Christ respond the way he responded? Number one reason why Jesus Christ responded was because at that point in time, Peter was acting as the voice for Satan. At that point in time. Bible say but he turned to Peter and said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." At that point in time, Peter was serving as the voice of Satan. Number two, Jesus reacted because at that point in time, Jesus, ever Peter was standing, as a form of, of, as an as, as, as a. As a As a source of offense, Peter was allowing himself to be a channel through which the devil can discourage the plan and the purpose of God. That was why Jesus Christ reacted the way he did. Number three, why Jesus Christ reacted? Jesus reacted because at that point in time, Peter was not focused on the things of God. Peter was focused on the things of men. That was why. But most importantly, Jesus reacted the way he reacted, most importantly, because Peter was trying to divert Jesus from his disciplined pursuits. In other words, here is an exam, here is a student. The final exam is about to show up. I am telling you that I'm going to spend the night in the library. I'm going to do all the mathematics and do all the calculations. I'm going to practice all the past questions and everything. And then you show up, you say, Far be it from you. Why will you go and suffer yourself in the library? Why will you go and do all the studying all night when people are supposed to be sleeping? There's a party in town. There is a show that is going on at the Ryman. There's all the other things. And you are telling me you are going to suffer? Far be it from you. As long as I'm alive, you are not going to suffer yourself in the library. If you really are interested in doing the A, what are you going to say? Say, go punish you, Satan. You want me to fail my exam? So that I can go and enjoy my That is exactly what was happening here. Jesus was saying, this is the plan of God for me. This is why God sent me to the world. This is the reason why I was born. To go to Jerusalem. To suffer this thing. To die and to be raised up on the third day. And Peter was saying, no, you can't do that. And Jesus said, what are you talking about? I will not fulfill the plan and purpose of God for my life. The Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 2. When Jesus Christ was still a boy. 12 year old. The Bible said that they went to Jerusalem to go and do the feasts. And when they were going back, Jesus Christ stood back, stayed with the prophet, stayed with the professors and was asking and asking them questions. And they looked for him for about three days. Eventually, when they found him, Jesus first asked them, he said, why are you looking for me? Don't you don't you know that I must be at my father's business at the age of 12? Now here is a man who is 30 years old. Getting ready to accomplish his father's business and you are telling him not to do. That was why Jesus Christ was furious. He was furious because Peter was acting as a diversion from his divine, from his discipline pursuit. Peter was acting as a distraction from the discipline pursuit. And that was why the Lord Almighty reacted violently. That was why he reacted without the hesitation. That was why he reacted decisively. And my brothers and sisters, that is the way you should react if somebody is trying to stop you from getting to the place of your dream. That is the way you should react. That is the way you should react when somebody is trying to stop your wife, stop your husband, stop your children from fulfilling their divine purpose. Because when God has called you to do something, when God has planted a seed in your life, and somebody is trying to root that seed away, somebody is trying to kill that seed in your life, you should react violently. If somebody is trying to take away that thing that makes you human, that thing that gives you purpose in life, you should react that way. And that was why Jesus Christ reacted that way. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 18. If you read from verse number 8, Jesus Christ says something. He said, if your right hand... If your hand or your foot causes you to sin He said cut it off and cast it from you It is better for you to enter into life Lame and maimed Rather than having two hands or two feet And be cast into everlasting fire In other words Jesus is saying Anybody that will stop you From fulfilling your divine objective From fulfilling your divine goal From getting to the place that God has destined for you He said that particular person Needs to be cut off That thing needs to be cut off The thing that will not allow you to be you. The thing that will not allow you to make your life count. The thing that will not allow you to live a life of purpose, a life of significance. He said, cut that thing away. Because what is the essence of life? If your life is just useless. What is the essence of life? If the life does not amount to anything. What is the essence of life? If that life does not contribute to any greater good. Why are you alive? Why are you occupying space? If you are not fulfilling the very purpose for which the Lord God Almighty has created you. Jesus is saying that you only one life that you have you cannot afford to waste it. Eh? You cannot afford to waste it. And that was why it is important that you do not allow anything to distract you. You do not allow anything to push you out of the way that God has written for you. You do not allow anybody or anything to to sway you from the direction that the Lord Almighty has purposed for you. And the reason is because Jesus knew that entertaining distraction will result in failure of purpose. When you entertain distraction in your life, when you allow people who who are not going anywhere to tell you where to go, you are going to experience what is called failure of purpose. Jesus understood that. He knew Peter was not given the assignment to save the world. Peter was not given the assignment to be the savior. So Peter cannot tell him how to live his own life. And the same thing, God has given you an assignment. God as people, has called you to do certain things. You cannot allow somebody else who have not heard the voice of God to tell you how to live your own life. If you allow entertainment, if you, if you entertain distraction, result of it is failure of purpose. Number two, if you entertain distraction in your life, it means there is going to be an abortion of destiny. There is a place God is taking you. If you allow yourself to be distracted, you are going to abort that particular destiny. Number three, if you allow yourself to be distracted, you are going to find there's going to be a waste of potential. How many smart students fail to graduate from school? How many smart people fail to amount to anything in life just because they allow themselves to be distracted? Jesus understood that. And Jesus knew that if you allow entertainment, if you allow distraction, if you entertain distraction in your life, through your family, through your friends, or through the people that you associate with, you will find out that your potential will be wasted. Not only that, if you allow for distraction in your life, if you entertain distraction in your life, it will result in mistakes that you will regret every day of your life. There are people who make, there are mistakes that you can correct. I mean if I paint this color a very ugly color, we can always paint over it. But if we build the foundation of this house with the wrong material, we are in serious trouble. There are some mistakes you can never recover from. There are some mistakes that mess you up. If you allow and entertain distractions in your life, you will res- it will result in a lifelong mistake that you will continue to regret. Not only that, if you entertain distraction in your life, it will result in a defeated life. Jesus Christ understood that if he allowed the voice of Peter the, vo- the voice of Satan through Peter to dominate his life he will miss his very purpose and that was why he would not allow it that is why our lord reacted the way he did because he knew that distraction from the path but what has been written concerning him will not, is not an option. He knew that a lot of things was riding upon that particular decision that he was about to make. He knows that his life was destined to be a blessing and to be a Savior. He knew he was supposed to be salvation for many in the world. And because a lot was rising on the discipline pursuit of our Lord Jesus Christ, he knew he could not afford to fail. He knew he could not allow destruction. And that is why you two must never, ever, ever allow distraction in your life. You must not allow anybody to distract you from the path that you are walking with the Almighty God. You must never allow somebody to take you from the path of righteousness. You must never allow somebody to take you out of the presence of the Almighty God. Because if they do, you have just mortgaged your eternal destiny. Now if you go to verse number 24 of that Matthew chapter 16, verse number 24, Jesus Christ now says something. After rebuking Satan, after rebuking Peter. After telling Peter to get him behind you, know, Telling Satan to get him behind him. He now turned to the rest of the disciples. And now told them something that is very important. Jesus now said to his disciples. He said if anyone desire to come after me. In other words if you want to walk with me. If you want to be a member of this particular crew, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whosoever loses his life my myself will find it. For what profit is it to a man? if He gains the whole world and loses his own soul. In other words, Jesus is saying, for you to be a disciple, for you to walk with me, for you to see the plan and purpose of God fulfilled in your life, for you to go in the direction that god has designed for you you have to be able to know what you are doing you have to follow me purposefully you have to follow me deliberately you have to follow me sacrificially you have to follow me with the disciplined pursuits that's what jesus is saying you cannot walk with me anyhow you cannot do one leg in and one leg out If you want to get to the place that you want to get to, you cannot do it anyhow. You cannot be lazy about it. You cannot procrastinate about it. You have to make up your mind. Is this where I'm going? If I'm going to go there, I will have to go there. If I don't want to go there, stop wasting my time. That's what Jesus is saying. Anyone who will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You cannot walk with the Lord with one leg in and one leg out. That's what Jesus is saying. Be disciplined in your pursuits. Of the goal in which you are following the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying. Not only are you supposed to be disciplined that you are following the Almighty God, you should be disciplined in your own goal. Because if you don't put the effort in, those things don't jump on people. I have told you several times in this particular auditorium that you don't become smart in any subject by opening the Bible. You don't know the Bible by opening the Bible, put your pillow on top of it and sleep. You know it doesn't work. Many of us have tried it several times. You open the Bible to a particular psalm, you know, we have not prayed and the devil is pursuing you. and You think that that's the way you are. You just open your book to this book of psalm and you put your pillow on top and put your head on top of it. And that's how it doesn't work. The psalm does not permeate through your pillow and come into your head. I hope you know that. You have to read it. and <laughs> You have to pray. But that's a story for another day. The point you are making is that the Lord is saying there is a discipline pursuit if you are going to accomplish what the lord has set for you to accomplish. The question is, why must you be disciplined in the pursuit of your goal? Why? Why must you be disciplined? My brothers and sisters, it is busy. you must be disciplined because indiscipline is easy. Indiscipline is easy. It is very easy. There's this particular commercial, I can't remember which of the commercial. But you know there's a little boy that called uh, this day, uh, called his grandma. He was sitting in front of the TV and he was calling his grandma to bring, is it cheetos or something to him? I don't. I can't remember that commercial. But it was calling, and the grandma picked up the phone. Thought it was a call from outside. And now realized it was his own grandson. Calling from the living room for him to give him a juice or something. In other words, it is easy for us to live our life just letting go. In the new cars that are made right now, there's this thing called cruise control. When you're driving on the freeway, you just put your car on cruise control and just keep going. Okay? They have even made it so easy now. You now have what is called effortless driving. Where your car can control itself. It can stay itself. It can stop itself. I mean, this thing is just wonderful. In other words, we are now getting to the point where we are now becoming so indisciplined, so lazy, that you just put your life on cruise control. The Bible is making us understand that if you want to get to your goal, if you want to achieve anything in life, you cannot afford to be indisciplined because indiscipline is easy. It's easy to just flow. A dead fish can flow on a stream. Only the one that is alive will go upstream. Dead ones will always go down. And that is what happens in life. So, why must you be disciplined? Why must you live a life of discipline for you? Number one, because indiscipline is easy. Number two, because life is full of a lot of nonsense. There are a lot of good things that destroy better things in our lives. A lot of good things that destroy the purposes of life. It is good to sleep. But when you sleep too much, what happens? It is good to eat. But when you eat too much, what happens? You know, the Lord will help us. (laughs) The idea is this. Their life is full of a lot of non-essentials. And you have to know what is essential and what is not essential. If you focus your attention on the non-essential, you are going to waste your time. You are going to waste your life You are going to waste your resources And that is why you have to be disciplined So that you can separate the essential from the non-essential Number three, why must you be disciplined You must be disciplined because A lot of useless people abound There are people who are not going anywhere And they are looking for people to go there with them There are people who have no plan for their lives. And they want you to join the planless crowd. There are people who have no idea what they want to do with their lives. And they want you to follow along. If you are not disciplined, it is easy for you to follow along. Number four, why must you be disciplined? You must be disciplined because your life requires structure. If there is no structure in life, people live anyhow. If there is no structure in life, people fail. Look at the lives of children that have no structure. Look at the life that you have. children who have no discipline. You see that they cannot control themselves. They get to the public and they embarrass their parents. They eat anyhow. They talk anyhow. They behave anyhow. If you want to live a life that will produce result, it requires structure. And structure comes by discipline. Not only that, why must we live a life of discipline? You live a life of discipline because your success in life requires it. You cannot be successful by accident. You cannot be successful by accident. Even if you are successful by accident, you won't be able to maintain that success. Okay? Let's assume people did not know you and they say, Okay, only the people who are tall, light and handsome like me can become president. And they make me president. And I don't know how to president anything. It only takes a couple of days before they know that I'm not qualified to be president. The point I'm making is that your success in life is a function of discipline. And even if you get there by by hook or by crook, you will not be able to support it. Not only that... Many of us in America talk about freedom. Yes, I want to be free. Freedom is our kidney Freedom is whatever, whatever. But the interesting thing is that they don't understand that freedom is just one face of the coin. There is this thing that is called responsibility. And responsibility is only possible through discipline. Okay? A truly free person is a person who is disciplined to know what to do and what not to do. A truly free person is the one who knows what to say and what not to say. How to behave and how not to behave. If you want to talk about financial freedom, you must have the discipline not to spend money when you want to spend it. If you want to have freedom of your health, you must know what to eat and what not to eat. If you want to have freedom of expression, you must know what to say and what not to say. If you want to have freedom of movement, you must know where to go and where not to go. Freedom is a function of discipline.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today.